0: Hi folks, Pastor Russ here. Thank you for tuning in to hear this week's message. It is our prayer and our hope that this message will be an encouragement to you. And so we just want to say blessings to you as you listen to this week's message. And um, This morning I have the privilege of introducing someone very special to me. And uh, before I do that though, I just recognize the fact that the Lord has truly blessed me with great men of God. In my life. And I think of Pastor Niles, and for eight years to be under his mentorship and his leadership. I'm so very thankful for that relationship that still exists today and uh, how he's poured into my life. Prior to that, I think of Pastor Orlin Cohen, who is the interim pastor at the Manson Mennonite Church. And uh, he was one that sort of maybe poked me a little bit, asking me to lead some adult Sunday school. And keep in mind, I'm around the college age, and I just thought that was a little bit terrifying. But I remember Orlin helping me navigate that, and that allowed me to get my feet wet in the midst of processing whether or not pastoral ministries was something that the Lord was calling me into. Prior to that, I think of my time at Buena Vista University, and I see Ken is here today. And Ken Meisner, who is very close to Brady and I, he officiated our wedding, And uh, Ken was the guy who sort of pushed me off the diving board into ministry. And uh, there were times I would visit his office, real just periodic, right, every now and then. And he would give me time, and he would allow me to process that call. And uh, so good to see you here today, Ken. Thank you for coming. And then I think of my childhood pastor, uh, Pastor Kurt Coons. And uh, I'm just so grateful for you to be here with us today. And I'm thankful for the word that God has placed on your heart to share with us. So will you please come join me, and would you guys welcome Pastor Kurt Coon. So to begin his message, he wants to have a little bit of time with the kids, the children's ministry. And so we did this back in the Christmas season when we invited the children's ministry to come forward. We sang together, Jesus Loves Me. And so would you join me in singing that as we welcome the kids forward for a children's message from Pastor Kurt? Jesus.
1: There you go. Well, I am sure glad to see all of you. We wanted to have a children's church, their children's sermon this morning, because you guys are important. Sometimes people talk about the children being the future of the church, but you guys are the church, right here, right now. The future of the church is out there, and so you guys are important. Now I've got a question to ask you. What is it that we are going to be about here in just a little bit? Who can tell me, who can raise their hand and tell me what we're going to do here in a little bit? What's this day about? It's kind of a big word, yeah, right here in the red. I'm sorry? Jesus, that's a great answer in church. We are about Jesus, that's right. We're about what Jesus is doing. But there's something else I'm thinking of. What do you have? Moses. That's another good answer. (laughs) What we're going to do is, unlike what Pastor Lance said, we are going to be about an installation. We're going to install this morning. And you know what? I've, I've done some installing before. One time I installed a refrigerator. One time I installed a freezer. And and they had to deliver that to me. And so I'm wondering if what we're going to install this morning is, is being delivered now. I, I wonder if it's coming. I hope it's coming. Um, we'll see. Whoa. Here's the delivery man right now. Looky here. Wow. That's a big box. Be careful. We don't want to ding that thing up. So, what? What are we going to install this morning? Let's Let's see what we have here. Well, oh boy, a bunch of packing we got to get out of the way here. Oh boy. Well, look here. <laughs> what? Oh, Look here! It says we gotta, we gotta plug him in. We need to check the. I don't know. It's kind of flashing. There it goes.
0: Loading. <laughs> Loading. Loading.
1: Look! It's it's the robotic pastor. Can you all see that? This is. A special model. It's a model that works well. EPH 41213. Are you in the know? Um, robotic pastor, here's the direction. We've already plugged him in. And now if we press some numbers, we're gonna see what happens. I'm gonna press number one and see if he'll give us a sermon. Press number one. Would you like a sermon? <laughs> and and number number two. Ooh.
0: Would you like counseling?
1: (laughs) And number three.
0: Let's pray together.
1: (laughs) So, what do you think? Are we actually going to install a robot today? You'd like to. (laughs) (laughs) No, today we're not going to install a robot. We're actually installing a pastor. A pastor who is real, who has skin... Look at your skin. Has hair. Well, a little bit of hair. (laughs) He has has feelings. If I pinch him, he says, ouch. (laughs) So he's a real person. And you know what? He's a person who loves God, who loves Jesus, who loves all of you, who loves the people of faith community. And he loves the people who aren't even here yet. Out there in the other communities. So you guys are very fortunate that we're installing a pastor today. Who knows this pastor's name? Okay, right here, what's his name? Is it Moses? Oh, it's God? (laughs) Is that what I heard? Whoa! What's his name? His name is Russ because I know that because he's my uncle. Oh, it's not just Russ, it's Uncle Russ. Pastor, we're installing Uncle Russ. Okay. Well, just, yes, this is Russ. You guys all all know him. And I want to say just a little bit about what it means to be a pastor in the scriptures. It talks about pastors as shepherds. And shepherds, they they do what? They care for their sheep. They feed them. They water them. And that's what, that's what Pastor Russ wants to do for you. This is what the scripture says. It says... I will give you shepherds after my own heart, and they will lead you with knowledge and understanding. So Pastor Russ is promising today that he will lead you, that he'll help you grow in faith, just like a shepherd would care for his sheep. You guys are kind of like his sheep. So let me ask you this. How was this decision made? Do you know how the decision was made to, to make... Uh, Russ, your lead pastor, How was that decision made? Yeah, voting, voting but what happened before voting? Do you know i 'm praying you 're right. All of these people prayed, and Ross and Brady prayed, and together they God led them to vote and say, "Yes, we want Russ to be our lead pastor." And so God spoke to them and Russ is here now to be the lead pastor. So how many how many of you guys up here are glad that that Russell is going to be your pastor? Can I see your hand? If you're glad that Russell's going to be your pastor, I see a lot of hands. Raise okay. Your,
0: raise your hand.
1: <laughs> be sure um Yeah, I see a lot of hands, okay? I want you to repeat after me when I count to three. You're going to repeat these words, okay? We're glad you're our pastor and not a robot. Can you do that? One, two, three. We're glad you're our pastor and not a robot. I want you to say that real loud, okay? We're glad you're our pastor and not a robot. Amen. Let's just pray for him right now, okay? Jesus, we thank you that um, you have raised Russ up here to, to pastor. We thank you for this time together. We thank you for all the children that uh, Russell and the rest of the staff, the moms and dads here, have a chance to, to care for and love on. We praise you and thank you, God, for who you are and what you're about here, what you're about today. Amen. Now you can go back and sit with your families. <clears throat> Well, I want to thank uh, Russell for being such a good sport with that, and and uh, all of you for playing along with it. <laughs> so it is indeed my privilege to be here with you, Russell. Thank you so much for for giving me the the privilege to be here. I certainly I certainly do uh, appreciate it, um, and I appreciate the the welcome we receive here. It's an important day in in your church, in the day of. Uh, faith community um, in the life of uh, not only russell but but Brady and even little Judah, though he doesn 't know it um, and it 's important for for all of you here at Faith Community. I want to give you kudos, Faith community. Um, you received Russell who uh, as a young, inexperienced youth pastor. Eight years ago. And you've allowed him the space and, the, uh, and a place to grow up and mature to where he is today. So that speaks highly of you as a congregation and who you are and the way you allow gifts to develop in your midst. So thank you. I thank you on, on behalf of the larger body of Christ, on behalf of the kingdom of God, for your faith and the way that you express it here. Um I've got to say just a few things about, about Russell. Um the uh let's see, do we do we have that first slide up there? Not sure how to can you help me back there, help me out. There he is. I think that's when Russell first saw me. And now in this next one, I just uh all together just say uh what a cute guy! There's definite, you know, Russell definitely loves his family. There's no, there's no doubt that he loves his family. Um, do you see something strange in that in that picture? I'll show you what it is. Hair. <laughs> um, and uh, he definitely married up when he married Brady. He said an amen to that. It took six pastors to get them married, and I don't think that was because of Brady. Um, you all ordained him in October of uh, 2015. Um, big day for all of you. Troy, your, uh, your head elder, asked me for uh, something that I could say to help the elders kind of control Russell. And I've got something. Apparently, when Russell was four years old, he had quite an arm. And in one day, he threw a rock through a garage window and a car window. One day. And uh, of course, he got in trouble for it. And Rick, his father, decided that his punishment would be to take his favorite toy from him. And he took it away from him for a week, but put it at, at a place where Russell could see it regularly. And what I'm told is that Russ would come over and he would just longingly look at that toy. And it worked. There were no more stones and no more, no more tinkling glass. So, so elders, here's, your, here's, here's what I have for you. Now, you've got to understand, Russell has a serious disease. Yeah. Um, I think it was passed down genetically from his father. Um, <laughs> And if not thwarted, it could become all-consuming. The name of the disease is microbacterium Chicago (laughs) bearitis. is a serious disorder. To control Russell, all you'll have to do, elders, is to threaten threaten to take away all things bears. Take away the games, take away everything, and you'll have him right under your thumb. just take away that toy, and you'll be able to control it. Just saying. Oh, there is one other thing. The microbacterium sh- Chicago bearitis, I think it affects your brain as well. <laughs> I don't have time to get into the evidence for that, but what, I want, but what I want you to do, and you can write this down so you won't forget it. I want you to ask Russell about his Chicago bear belly. His Chicago bear belly. I'll leave it at that. When you ask him, ask him for the picture. It's, really, it's quite entertaining. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um, well, I want to uh, turn a little bit more serious matter. We'll turn to the to the scriptures now. I've chosen a couple scriptures that I want to use this morning. And you're going to find them here on the screen. Um, And what I'd like for you to do right now is to read them with me, if you would. So read along with me out loud. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And the next scripture is also from Jesus in Mark chapter 9, verses 49 and 50. Please read it with me. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it make salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. This morning, I want to have us spend some time with a salt-of-the-earth-type salt character. That character is Elijah. We have powerful lessons to learn from Elijah. Russell, if you want to continue to grow as a salt-of-the-earth-type person, I would encourage you to salt away what we have today, and you'll become a person who is worth his salt. <laughs> and... Uh, I think there'll be enough seasoning for Brady, for all of us here this morning, as we as we look to the Word, and um, all of you will uh, receive some of the some of the salt you need. And uh, I'm not going to continue with all that language for fear that I'll get kicked out of here for using salty language. But uh, Elijah comes from a no count backwater kind of a place he's sent to the rulers of a nation that are that a culture that is rotting from the inside out um, ahab the king marries a a queen by the name of jezebel and jezebel it seems wore the pants in the family and wore the crown in the nation she seemed to be in charge And this was most evident in her devotion to the gods that she brought with her from this foreign land. Gods named Baal and Asherah. Gods who supposedly were in charge of fertility, in charge of the crops, were in charge of the rain, and in charge of storms. That's important for you to know. Um, She used the people's hard-earned tax money to build temples to Baal and Asherah. She used their tax money to to, uh, feed the prophets of Baal. She felt so strongly that this religion of Baal should become the state-sponsored official religion that she sent out assassins to kill the prophets of God. Um, This culture This nation was going down the toilet in a big way. It was at this time and place that Elijah was sent. Um, He was sent to minister here. And I want us this morning to look at at the qualities that Elijah brought with him, or that he displayed, that enabled him to be the, the person of salt, um, the salt of the earth type character that God wanted him to be first of all I want to just say that Elijah was submitted to the word of the Lord this is important you know Elijah prayed that there would not be any rain for, for, until he prayed again and it was so for three years it had not rained there hadn't even been any dew that fell it was a dust bowl folks it was drier than dry Baal had failed the people as the supposed God of fertility, right? And God and they were beginning to learn about the power of God. And Elijah during these years, followed the word of God into the wilderness. There, God miraculously cared for him, gave him what he needed. Um, for three years he waits. He doesn't, you know, there's a few things that happen during that time, but for the most part, he's in the wilderness waiting. He waits for God to speak. He knows the truth from Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds a house, the laborers build in vain. And, you know, if I had been Elijah, and I had prayed, and it hadn't rained for even two years, I'd be saying, let's go, Lord, come on. I'd be chomping at the bit. I want to go out there, and I want to gloat. I want to say... You know, my God's bigger than your God. My God's the best. He's, he's got it going on. But not Elijah. He waits. He waits until the Lord speaks. He humbly submits himself to the word of the Lord and to the timing of the Lord. And The second thing we see that I want to point out to you that we see in Elijah is his boldness. Um, his bold, he was bold in his faith when he heard the word of the Lord. After three years, when God speaks, Elijah responds immediately. And he goes to the rulers, the ones who've been killing prophets, who'd like to kill him, and he confronts them. And he challenges them to a duel. He says to King Ahab, King Ahab, bring the people, bring your prophets. Let's go to Mount Carmel and let's see who God really is, who the real God is. And the day of the duel comes. The day of the duel comes. And God, or excuse me, Elijah puts it to them straight. He says, he says this to them. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if it is Baal, follow him. And you perhaps know the, the rest of the story. Baal's prophets put their bowl on the altar and then they begin to do their thing. They they pray, they chant, they they do all that they that they have to do. Um, they even cut themselves, just yelling at Baal, yelling to respond and send fire down. They, Come on, you're the you're the uh God of storms. You can send down a firestorm, do it. And Elijah, he... He's off to the side and eventually just starts kind of laughing at him, making fun of him. Says, uh, you know, oh, perhaps Baal's on vacation. Perhaps he's sleeping. Perhaps he's relie- relieving himself. Just, and they try harder and harder. And nothing happens. And then it becomes Elijah's turn. And Elijah rebuilds the altar of the Lord, we're told. Twelve stones, twelve tribes of Israel. He puts the bull on the altar, um, the wood in the bull, pours 12 jars of water over it, so much so that the trenches that they had built around the altar were filled with water. You remember the story. And then he prays these words that you have here in front of you. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you are Lord. Lord that you are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. And immediately, fire falls. Consumes not just the bull and the wood, but, 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 the, but the altar, the stones, the water, even the earth below it. Consumes it all. And what happens next is incredible. All the people saw this happen. And they fall prostrate before the Lord, crying out, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. See, due to the boldness of Elijah to stand in the face of opposition, God shows up and revival happens. Revival breaks out the hearts of the people just as Elijah had prayed are turned back to the one true God. Now, you and I, like these people, live in a decadent time, a time where the culture around us, I dare say, is rotting from the inside out. And it's at this time that, that we need persons who are Elijah-like. We need persons who will humbly submit themselves to the word of the Lord we need persons who are Elijah-like and are bold to stand up for what they believe, even in the face of opposition. We need Elijahs who are willing to be counted. Russell, you, mentioned, you told me earlier this week, and you mentioned this morning and during announcements that there's going to be a group of ministers that are calling people together at Manson Mennonite Church this Wednesday night to pray for revival. Folks, know that revival, praying for revival is praying Within the will of God. He desires for revival to come. That is a prayer that God will answer. Russell, I am here this morning because I believe in you. I'm here. That, what I mean by that, I should say, is, is that I believe you love God. I believe you've received Jesus as your Savior and you follow Him as your lord i think the people here at faith have have seen that in you have seen the anointing of god on you and that's why they've they've so strongly affirmed you to serve them as your as your lead pastor they see i see these elijah-like qualities within you the qualities of humility and boldness Folks, I don't know how it will happen, but I want to just say to you that I have this this sense that God will use you, your team of leaders, you people here at Faith, others that that know the Lord in in Northwest Iowa, will use you to spark a Mount Carmel type of revival. Do you hear that? A revival that will turn people's hearts To the one true God and away from the false gods that people give their time, their treasures, and their talents to, that they put their hopes in. As you seek God together, as Russell, the rest of the pastoral team leads you in doing that, as you follow his word, there is no limit to what God can do. Better, more spirit filled more glory-to-God days are ahead of you, and you can celebrate that because what God is doing in your midst. I have a deep sense of that. But you know, there are those things that would, uh, you know, undercut what God wants to do, and we actually see it in Elijah's life as well. Um, The third point I want to make is that we must be aware of the lies from the evil one. You know, after the great victory on Mount Carmel, rain comes, and Elijah is miraculously transported down to the capital city, and and uh, you know you, you'd expect him to be down there just rejoicing and celebrating, but it's that's where things turn. Jezebel, the wicked queen, sends him a note. Sends him a messenger with a note and says, if you're here tomorrow, by this time tomorrow, we're going to kill you. Do you hear the lie in that? (laughs) If she was serious about killing him, she would have said an assassin with a sword, not a messenger with a note. She knew, Ahab had already told her that that the people's heart had turned against Baal, which meant they turned against her. The people were not in favor of her rule. They were in favor of God. Elijah, though, believed that line. He gave in to, rather than stand boldly, he gave in to that fear. And he ran into the wilderness. And in the wilderness, he finds himself underneath a a bush. And he's totally exhausted. He's run far enough. He finds himself underneath a bush. And he cries out to God, and he says this, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And do you hear the lie in that? What he's doing there is is, uh, stating a lie that's grounded in comparison with others. He apparently had been living, at least somewhat in the lie, that he was somehow better than those who had gone before him. He had found his very identity in winning this comparison. And now that the lies of that false identity that came from comparison began to crumble, he's ready to give up. He wants to die. And it doesn't even end there. God feeds him, restores him, and sends him on to Mount Horeb. And there God promises to show up, and Elijah's there, and... And there Elijah experiences a windstorm, he experiences an earthquake, he experiences a firestorm, and God isn't in any of those, but then God shows up with a gentle whisper. And he says, Elijah, why are you here? And Elijah answers this way, which also has lies in it. Listen to this. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. There's at least two lies in that. The first is, if you read the the previous chapter, we're told that Obadiah had hid away a hundred prophets of the Lord, and he told Elijah that he had hid them away and was caring for them. Elijah wasn't the only prophet left. And yet here he is sulking because what had happened, believing this lie, feeling sorry for himself. And then there's a second lie as well. He says, these people have broken your covenant, turned against it. And he's forgetting the miracle that God had just done on Mount Carmel, right? They had fallen prostrate before the Lord and it said, the Lord is God, the Lord is God. Their hearts had been turned and he was looking beyond that. Back behind him, and so he forgot the truth. He was believing the lie that the people had not had not changed. I share these things with you because it's the way God or the way Satan works. Russell, if you are to be the man of God that that God wants you to be, you have got to be aware of these lies that would undermine you. And your ministry. These lies are mainly about how Elijah understood himself, how he understood his identity and his importance. It'll be paramount for you, Russell, to take the time, certainly daily, but take extended times to listen to the Lord, to have the truth of God's word sort through Um, Pastor Lance said you were being instilled. What the Lord wants you to do, the proper word is probably distilled, because he wants to distill you with the truth of God's word so that the impurities of a lie will, will be gone. And that you'll know who you are in the person of Christ. And the truth of that. And that will be your source for ministry and for life. Brady, Elders, people here at faith, um, I encourage you to stand and support Russell in this. Encourage him in the truth. Help him to understand if he's believing lies. Um, Give him the permission to take time away from you all. I'm not talking about just vacation. He needs that too. Him and Brady and Judah need that. But I'm talking about time away where he can spend with the Lord, And just focus on the Word of God, focus on praying, and allow himself, his being, to be distilled, to do away with these lies so he can stand on the truth of God. If a man like Elijah can begin to believe lies, well, then I'd suggest that any of us can, and that, Russell, you're susceptible as well. One last thing, though, and I would be amiss if I didn't end with this. And the, the Elijah story is full of grace. The, the grace of God, have you picked that up? I mean, Elijah, these lies that we mentioned, Elijah apparently was living into them for a while, was believing at least a part of them for a while, and yet God used him. You see, the big part but maybe the major part of becoming mature in our Lord is saying yes to the truths of the Bible about us and about our world and saying no to the lies that we have been told about ourselves in the world. And if we move from these lies to this truth, I would suggest that you are moving from, from falsehood to truth, from immaturity to maturity. And that that is what maturity is, is about. Um, and so it's, th- this story just speaks highly of the power of the grace of God. That it wasn't primarily about Elijah. He was imperfect. He believed lies. And yet God used him in powerful ways. God did not give up on him. God restored him. Even though he was running scared. So folks, become aware of the power of the grace of God and the way it reaches out to you. We just had communion this morning. Elijah's story points us to the grace of God. That communion points us to. The grace of God found at the cross where Jesus declares with his arms open wide, come to me, not because of who you are, but because of who I am. Come, and I will offer you the grace you need. Come, I will offer you the forgiveness. Come, come with all your lies. Come with the way you are. Come, receive the truth of who I am. Receive the truth of my love, my goodness. Russell, I have uh, here in my pocket a simple little salt shaker. Just an everyday salt shaker. And I want you to take that and place it in your office where you will be reminded um, that you are called to be the salt of the earth. Um, I, was, uh, I was told that the the origin of the, uh, the saying that we have, you know, when somebody, we're not sure, if somebody's telling all of the truth or maybe it's a lie and, and so we'll say yeah I'll take that with a grain of salt I was told that the origin of that was uh, Pliny the elder way back in the day wrote that, that a grain of salt was an antidote for poison isn't that interesting and I'd encourage you to not only season your life with the word of God with humility and boldness that only God can give. But also, remind yourself, let this salt shaker remind you to use the truth of God's word to um, say no to the poison of Satan's lies. What is going to be most important for you, what was important for Elijah, was to be humble before the word of the Lord. To be bold when he heard the word of the Lord and to follow through on it, but more than that to be aware of the grace of God that just kept coming to him. The grace of God, Russell, is what has led you to this place. It's the grace of God that makes you a son of God, a child of God. And that, and that is the premise is a promise, is the foundation of any ministry that's worth anything here at Faith. Stand true on that, that you are a child of God because of the grace of our Lord. Amen.
0: Thanks for watching this week's message. It is our heart to follow up with people if they've responded to something that God did in that message. One thing we want to note is if you just gave your life to Christ and you prayed that prayer at the end to receive Him into your life, we want to send you this free resource called Now What? and this is a journal that comes with the Bible and it's designed to help you grow and take the next steps in your faith journey. If you're interested in receiving this free resource we encourage you to simply reach out and connect with us here At the bottom of the screen, you'll see you can email us or you can send us a text message. Simply text BELIEVE to the number that you see here on the screen. We want to get this into your hands so that you can grow in your faith. And it's our heart here at Faith Community Church to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. Thanks for watching.